millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Jules, should we just talk about Hogwarts Legacy? Is that is that where we are now? Cool. Talk about blindsiding me a little bit, mate. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Blimey, Goofner. Of all um, the conversations. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, the, after all, this is the UBP, the UBP, the UB. The UB and the And I am Jules Gill, and this is Scott Tailford. Say hello, Scott. Hi. Oh, there he is. I didn't do the standard thing. If I was a cheesier man, I would have said hello, Scott, there. You've got <laughs> the to, is, you've got to well, fight back. Wait, we're here. It's a Friday uh, lunchtime, and we are recording some UBP for you lovely people. That means mm-hmm. that we're going to be addressing all of your questions, your hot talking points. We're just delving through the take trough. We're <laughs> slurping on the slurry of all your good thoughts. And yeah, let's kick things off by talking about Hogwarts Legacy then. So who's yeah. been chatting about that? Well, so we've got a couple, because obviously we always do the thing every week of let us know whatever questions, whatever talking points you would like us to dive into. And um, we just had a couple of people just asking about Hogwarts Legacy. Where's the coverage on the site? What's going on with it? Why is there nothing? Do you know what? When that game was first announced and I saw the trailer for it, all I could think of was that they had that other video game that tried to be Call of Duty set in the, the Harry Potter world. And I remember being so actively turned off by it that right. I basically just like killed the franchise in my mind. <laughs> like I wasn't one of the people who grew up like with a fond remembrance for the PS1 um, first Harry Potter game, The Philosopher's Stone. I right. look at it nowadays... I just think, what an ugly mess. What an ugly, <laughs> ugly mess. And speaking of ugly messes, that's where we find ourselves in with the current version of Hogwarts Legacy. I have no interest in playing this game. I understand that there are people out there that probably want to play this game, probably have mm-hmm. played this game, probably really it's enjoyed very this well game. And I am not taking away any of the credit that the staff have put into making that game because clear love Same. and care has been put into that. However, I do not connect with the source material. I don't Mm. care about Harry Potter. I'm burned out on open world games thanks to playing Elden Ring. And Mm. the fact that there's the controversy on top of it, I just don't want anything to do with it. Like, (laughs) it's it's a game that I can easily pass by, which shows Mm. that I was never really invested in it in the first place. That's, yeah, that's pretty much the thing is that, like, we're not, none of us are Harry Potter fans. James Dallas is a Harry Potter fan, but obviously he's not here anymore. But I think, obviously, there's the wider controversy around it. And the thing is, like, for full disclosure, like, you know, I'm head of gaming, channel manager, whatever. So I I made a point mm-hmm. of sitting down with everyone because we did actually get the offer of a code through we got it in the D- yeah. in the dms and the emails and it was like do you want to put together a review for this but at the same time it's like well none of us are fans of the source material none of us have really been looking forward to it um at the same time obviously we have a trans member of staff and i have a whole bunch of lgbtq plus friends as well mm-hmm. so i made a point of you know as channel manager sitting down with everybody individually and just being like okay what would make you guys comfortable on the team um mm-hmm. what's the best way to go forward and it was just all of us kind of just saying like look obviously we don't agree with a lot of the things that jk has said and the game itself just isn't for us. So it's quite an easy thing to 
Passover, I obviously get the reality of it being a big deal in gaming, but we've never been a review-based business model. We just aren't that. We don't have a dead yeah. space review. That's not what we are. We, you know, we do lists and celebrate gaming overall. Um, someone was asking if it might pop up in lists across the year. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, I'm like, if I had a diehard love of uh, Harry Potter, maybe I would be fighting to cover it more or something. Mm-hmm. But it's just that brass tacks reality of, you know, we value, like, or at least I'll just speak for myself. Um, when I make in that eventual call, it was like, I value a trans member of staff more than a video game. So it was quite easy to make that decision. But that is also alongside the fact that we just don't care about Harry Potter. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so strange because obviously there's been a massive backlash to people who reviewed and played the game but also a backlash to people who didn't cover the game yeah. like we're trying mm-hmm. to deny its existence we can't deny it it, it exists it is out mm-hmm. there just because we don't want to amplify that message doesn't mean that we are bad or agreeing with or doing this like i, I don't understand because the same people that are like you should be covering this. You should tell more people about this game. Mm. Where were you when the Yakuza games came over? Where were you when, <laughs> like, uh, like the, when Oddworld Soulstorm came back? The games, like, we choose what we cover. We yeah. choose. We, we, like, it comes down to choice. And at the end mm-hmm. of the day, our choices are that we just didn't want to cover it. So, simple as. The thing is that I keep seeing, like, obviously there's reviews all over the place. Like, some are scoring it very highly, some are scoring it very lowly. I am yeah. just default curious how it plays. And I remember talking to Sai about this and just saying, like, I am curious about the tele- telekinetic powers that you can get in that game um but ultimately it was just about the general conversation at launch and trying to do right by the other people on the team and you just i always just want to make sure that people are respected and seen and made comfortable so that was always my main priority alongside the fact that none of us in those one-on-ones wanted to talk about it anyway yeah it goes back to like why we didn't cover diablo 2 we didn't cover it Mm. because of the fact that we were like doing we just didn't want to do any blizzard games at that point Mm. it's the same with some ubisoft games we don't want to support channel like like we it's not just an isolated case of us choosing this one thing at this hill to die on we've done it multiple times across the years of just looking at the current state looking at the company publisher or developer that's been involved in it and just saying Mm. nah we'll pass we don't have to cover this and we don't want to so that's that's literally the thing it's like yeah do we does any of us want to can we make a case for it like is there something interesting to say about it on a gameplay level or whatever it is and then going from there i mean i kind of forgot but at the time when it came out when detroit become human came out i just hated the way that thing was written i hated Mm -hmm, david mm -hmm. cage's approach to portrayals of racism and like that whole analog of like analog uh, analog of androids and yeah. racial oppression and everything else so i've still never played detroit become human like i'm in an interracial marriage like i have to have a generally charged view of de- depictions of racism mm-hmm. and racist topics so i was just like f that game and i hate the way it's written and whatever it doesn't mean i'll never talk about it but i'm not going to choose to spend my time going through it so in a way it's it's similar obviously it's not similar in terms of subject matter there's the whole yeah. thing about what jk's topics are aren't really represented in the game but i get the connotation i get the whole there's a reason you might just not want to play a video game as much as people might want you to we should also make very clear here that if you listening to this video are interested in playing the game and mm. do and have already played the game then more power to you if you can if you can separate the art from the artist in this sense and uh, have made your peace with it absolutely fine i know people who absolutely hate what happened at blizzard with everything that we've been uh, going on with there with the uh, allegations of the horrible culture of workplace mm. culture there and the sexual allegations from the top it's a mm. case of like they still played diablo 2 they made mm. their peace with it we are human beings are walking hippo like we're, we're hypocrisies <laughs> we do yeah. things and say things that unfortunately don't always gel with what we ideally want to represent that's just mm-hmm. how we are we are full of faults so if mm-hmm. you can make peace with your gods about that then go play the game i, yeah. I, I ain't gonna tell i ain't gonna tell you not to like, well that's the issue where i am as well. there, there's only a few games out there that i would actively say you should never play 
Mm-hmm. Like and that, like the hatreds, you know, that sort of like absolute <laughs> yeah. water cooler masturbation like t- topic things that I just cannot be cannot be bothered with that sort of stuff mm-hmm. there. So just stay far away from games like that. But if you if you can make your peace with it, fine, whatever. Yeah. I'm gonna judge you. I'll even for me personally, I'll go one further than that and just say you make your own decisions and whatever. But like there are certain games that have those auras around them, like that hatred game where it did come out that the development team at least had members of a white supremacy yeah. group in yeah. there. So it's like probably not gonna want to play something by them, but whatever. I'm never gonna tell someone what they can do as long as they never tell me what I can do. But at the same time in this case it was a group decision. It is something that we're doing as war culture or not doing as war culture. Um, and it doesn't mean that it won't pop up in the future um but that was the decision that we made at the time it was just a good mm-hmm. thing trying to make sure everybody's as comfortable as possible so for me honestly like i'm curious about the gameplay side like i said before but then yeah. i look at a lot of the i was watching someone play it um, and one of the like mission goals was like go save the flimity flume blah blah and i was like yeah. i don't i can't get on board <laughs> with the way harry potter is written and i love fantasy um, but that was the reason I never gelled with it across the last couple of decades. It's never mm-hmm. been my franchise. So to sort of like stick something in the dirt and be like, no, guys, we need to cover this. I don't have yeah. that in me whatsoever. I don't think any of us do. It's so funny, isn't it? How like different fantasy franchises develop different sort of like pros and cons of your own personal like biases because mm-hmm. you've got like, um, you love Lord of the Rings, for example. Yes. But I know that there are some people out there that would, uh, for you mocking the Harry Potter flibbly floob, they'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, let's go over to Bellambor and, and see Schmengen. <laughs> Plop, and then oh, totally, he'll give yeah. and he'll give us this uh, little uh, secret passageway through Blimbum Blomp, and it's Tom just like it's the, deal, sa- is it? It, it, yeah. it's the same sort of like deal, isn't it? <laughs> and that fantasy is just very silly. But moving over from one meal to another, as it were, <laughs> we're going to do a food question now from the Bring Josh it. Utley from over on Instagram, who asked us what food from a video game would be the favourite item at the restaurant that you owned. So in this scenario, <laughs> Scott, you and I have opened up a restaurant a, that only serves and caters for people who love video games. So it's okay. going to be video game foods that we've enjoyed or want to recreate. For me personally, I know mm. what the answer is. Even as a vegan, and yes, I obviously am a vegan because I'm telling you I'm a vegan. Um, <laughs> the one thing that I've always found absolutely salivating, my mouth doth drip like a cup that is overflowing, is the giant meat on a bone that you can get from Monster Hunter. Oh, Those dishes there. <laughs> Just give me random nondescript meat on bone that is right. it mate fred like flintstone that let's go <laughs> my stuff is like i'm thinking more like the way that um, meals look in certain things so i'm thinking mm. of like the way that they look in final fantasy 15 that game had ludicrously oh, nice looking food exceptionally good and there's a bit of that i'm also thinking of some of the f- food that you can get in the yakuza slash like a dragon games mm-hmm. um because you can get lots i mean i love rice balls and uh, like bao and all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. so i would i mean this is standard because it's not if i was trying to think of a food stuff that only exists in a game but i can't yeah. think of that many things that you only eat get in game like wumpa fruit i guess is a thing or like wumpa fruit um, would probably be really tasty to be a, fair a, a i don't know why i just fruit. whenever i look at it i just think like oh imagine that as a pie that'd be really good wumpa really <laughs> pie yeah it'd be it's, good. Uh, it might be tasty but yeah so in, oh, i would mate, definitely take uh, mate, if we had that stuff. on the on the on the list and you and i owned it it could be my wumpa list <laughs> Oh, that's it. That's it. That's, that's what it could painful. Be. That in a beautiful way. That's the, that's the best kind of uh, pun reaction. Uh, we will what, take that. What other video game items are there that you can eat? I mean, a herb from Resident Evil. Imagine There's eating herbs. something that is like not just like it's not super filling, admittedly, but it would make you feel great. Mm-hmm. So, actually, that's a question. This is a wider question for the for the audience uh, between now mm-hmm. and next week. Get in touch with us. Why do the Americans call it herbs? Why do they never pronounce the the H? Not that I'm a big fan of saying H, but we I say. I don't herb. know, man. We, 
we go into this. uh, As soon as you open this kettle of fish, man, you start asking (laughs) the question of why did they take the word aluminium, which has an Mm. I next to the U and M. Thank you, Biffy Claro, for those amazing lyrics. Um, (laughs) And then changed it to aluminum. Aluminum. It's like, it's like, lads. And the funny thing is, is that you go on to like American podcasts Mm -hmm. and they critique us for saying it weird. It's like, my friend. We came up with the words. Like, <laughs> this is our like, word, my friend. Yeah, you, you've literally taken it, taken it and just said, it's like the whole thing of like the Americanization of adding Zs or Zs into yeah. things that have Ss. And it's, I hate that the spell checks here in the UK because I'm actually quite careless when I type. I mm. borderline are not able to spell very well. And... Um, <laughs> This spell check is always like, do you want to put a Z in there, mate? And I'm like, right, uh, no. No. no, I'm pretty and sure I don't. Have, like extra U's and stuff, which I guess from the American perspective yeah. is like, well, why are you guys putting a U in color? Like it doesn't even need to be there, or things like that, or like, yeah, yeah. just different ways of spelling stuff. So I guess it does kind of go both ways. And uh, we do have a question from the 48th Gunner of 2023 who says, if you were given a button that paused graphical quality where it is now, never getting any better whatsoever for the rest of time, but it caused gameplay and game development to reach new heights, would you push that button? Yes, I would, Uh, over and over and over again. We have many, many times spoken about the disengagement of graphics and gameplay. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think I would too, you know. I'm just thinking of the most beautiful games now, like God of War, Ragnarok Horizon, Red Dead Redemption 2. That's that's the top, it doesn't need to get any better than that. That's fine. It doesn't need to look like me talking to you right now. We're going into graphical fidelity now that doesn't matter, arguably, because it was like mm. when people were talking about how um, there was tons of details that you would only pick up if you went to the game's photo modes, therefore mm-hmm. justifying them having photo modes, otherwise you'd never actually see it. Mm-hmm. And we have reached that sort of like pinnacle of intimately small details, like reflections on puddles or the way that you'll um, have uh, characters doing specific motions and movements in Red Dead or little like things, little asides and stuff like that. Mm. Maybe we don't need to go any further than this. I always do believe as well that video games should always try and retain at least a slight sense of stylization because Mm -hmm. if you go into, like you say, you and I talking to each other and it looks like a one-to-one thing there, that Mm -hmm. uncanny valley is really unappealing to the escapism that video games present. I -hmm. personally don't want to have a video game, for example, where it looks as good as you and I do in real life and then I'm going around shooting people. That would definitely give credence to all of the people who say that video games inspire horrible actions because you are making it one-to-one with real life at that point. Yeah, I remember thinking this about Mortal Kombat. I was like, over the years, as Mortal Kombat got more lifelike, I was like, at some point, it's just going to be a full human body being like decimated. And I love Mortal Kombat. Mm. I get weirdly giddy watching the fatalities because they're just so stupid and fun. But at the same time, I remember that story that came out when MK11 came out about like the dev team being like, we had to look up all these horrible, like mangled vivisections and all this. Yeah, for like reference photos and just being like, yeah, this is getting into a weird place. Like, I mean, I get that the the response to that was like you are working on Mortal Kombat you kind of thought that was coming but at the same time it's like how realistic do we need it to be like at some point um, maybe there's a more serviceable way of doing it could you imagine in the staff meetings when they were doling out in like the newest Mortal Kombat because obviously that brought back um, babalities and friendships and stuff like that mm-hmm. so imagine like doling out it's like okay who uh, hands up who wants to do the fatalities and people are like who worked on the previous game just like no I'm, just shaking I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting queasy just thinking about it it's like who wants the <laughs> friendship so it's yes I'll take the friendship one I'll take the friendship one <laughs> I'll take the babalities and the friendships and everything else. Um, we got a little quick question. Wait, 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 wait. Question is, though, yes. what if that question was posed to you and I 10 years ago? 
we're at the peak of the sort of PS3 and the Xbox 360 era. You've got Bioshock Infinite and Last of Us and Gone yeah. Home. But, I, yeah. I still think you're fine. Do you think that that is the point where, because, I mean, if we were there, we might say, oh, graphics will never get better. Graphics will never mm. get better than this. Well, the thing is, for me, like, back then, the conversation wasn't about graphics. The conversation was about, like, indie, the rise of the indie games and the rise guess, of thematics yeah. and the rise yeah, of, like, yeah, yeah. different forms of storytelling. Gone Home was 2013, which was, like, a huge deal on, like, mm. oh, my God, is it? I remember that whole thing of, like, is it even a video game? It's like, yes, like, this yeah. first-person exploration thing. And I remember that we got away from, like, oh, my God, how realistic can it look? Because we had The Last of Us. So, mm-hmm. like, for me, yeah, I've not cared about graphics for about 10 years. Like, if something looks beautiful in, like, an art style sense or it has, like, a par- particle effect or something, then cool. But I don't care. Like, I mean, I think looking at the completion stats as well for something like um, Red Dead Redemption 2, they're so small. Like, yeah. if graphics powered people through to see the rest of it, they didn't. So, like, at the same time, though, obviously, um, I finished Hi-Fi Rush and I looked at that game's uh, achievement statistics. Yeah. It's, like, 2% of people have finished that game. Like, and I'm really? in that 2%. Like, towards the back I mean, half of that game. it has only just come out, though. True. It's, like, towards the back half of that game, every standard achievement becomes rare because no one has got them. So, every really? even chapter completion stuff is coming up as rare. And so, I mean, maybe people can get in touch and say that they finished the game. And maybe our people are just taking their time. But it feels like a lot of people dropped off that across the, uh, the first few chapters. And that game looks what? gorgeous. That just reminds me, by the way, um, you you were a big fan of Ollie Ollie uh, World. Do you, oh my you? god, Ollie Ollie Worlds, yes. Did you know what the completion percentage is for the um, the percentage rate for the Platinum Trophy? On no, the but no, but, but I skate, tried going skate, for that. Skate God, I think it was called, I think like, where you do all, the, there's do, some do all the challenges. There's thing, though. Yeah, there's some insane uh, trick. I'm guessing a decimal point of a percentage. Dude, it's zero. It's zero percent. <laughs> like, really? no one has done it. Not even the devs have done it by that standard. That's, That's hilarious. It, it's it's genuinely baffling because I never thought I would find a platinum trophy that has zero percent outside of a really little known game. If no one has done this by the time we can turn it around, we should do mm. platinum trophies. No one has because I don't think there'll be very many of them. It's it's crazy though, isn't it? Just think <laughs> about that. Like I'm just like trying to wrap my head around. You made a challenge so hard because that game's <laughs> been out for do. a fair few months out now. That it's the like devs now, yeah. themselves haven't potentially done it that's crazy that's crazy hmm. i think that's the weird thing because we we both played mario maker i think and like i mm-hmm, in that mm-hmm. game you have to play your own level before you can upload it which is oh, almost yeah, like a really yeah. good final yeah. check to make sure it's not full of bs because i remember a quote from miyamoto decades ago about super mario brothers 3 just saying like he wished he'd play tested it more or they he could have done more with it or something so it's just that idea of like is there are there just games out there that even the devs couldn't beat like yeah, yeah. There, there was another game and i can't remember if it was um the reboot of doom that before when they before they dropped it there was that you know the ultra nightmare mode it's mm-hmm. like one kill sends you right back to the beginning of the game mm-hmm. they had that but they had extra stackable like buffs on the enemies as well and another one maybe might be dante must die mode or whatever it was from one okay. of the devil may cries but mm-hmm. the developers themselves didn't complete it before they pressed it to disc and put it out there mm-hmm. and it's like wow you didn't actually test this if it was possible <laughs> to do and that's crazy but obviously through the sheer willpower of the gaming public at large, they did manage to brute force their way through. But imagine mm. doing that where you just go like, here's a challenge that I don't, I think will be pretty tough. And it's like, no, no, it is impossible. It is genuinely well, like impossible. The, um, it reminds me of like the Oli Oli World one, because I forget what the exact achievement is, or a trophy or whatever in there. Mm-hmm. There is something that just feels ridiculous. It reminds me of the Trials games where they were almost oh, into like, the Inferno yeah. levels oh, were like intentionally yeah. impossible. Yeah. Um, and I've never, I think I beat the Trials HD, the very first one. I never did Fusion. I couldn't do um, Trials Rising. Like yeah. I, I've never able to, to finish them after a while because um, they were just built to be ridiculous like physics based ridiculous they are ridiculous indeed but you know what else is ridiculous mate go on our gaming childhoods because Ooh. friendly neighbourhood dreidels has asked <laughs> us what video game got you guys hooked on gaming as a kid now I know that for example you were 
supremely hooked on Metal Gear Solid. Yes. But what was the game that got you into gaming? What was the one where you just sat down and were like, yeah, this is it. This is going to be what, I, the, what I'm about. God, my earliest memory. I think we did one about your earliest gaming memory because for me, um, it was like Alex. It was Sonic because I played Sonic at a friend's oh, yeah. house. Yeah. Um, but when I got, because I my friend had a Mega Drive, and then when I went to buy a Mega Drive, I didn't know the difference, and I bought a Master System by accident. So I got this worst I know, version mate. of Sonic. Oh, bless and you. And I got a worse version. I got Shinobi with that as well. So like those were the ones that I Shinobi was brutal on that as well. I know, right? <laughs> so and it's like um, I tell you what, though, I was playing through. Um, I think it's Shinobi Three is on the Mega Drive collection on the Switch. That mm-hmm. game's awesome. Like that game is so it's really cool. Good. There are so many little, like, random, like, bespoke animations for flipping off the walls and doing, like, stylish mm-hmm. kills. It's badass. And there's a whole, like, surfing level where you're on, like, a robotic surfboard. It's cool. Amazing. But anyway, um, my yeah, Master System trilogy for me would be, it was Sega, Shinobi, and Alex Kidd. Mm-hmm. And so I go all the way back to then. And then uh, once I finally got a Mega Drive, I branched out into better versions of those games. Um, but my first ever console was the Master System. So, I, so that's I'm what got you hooked. Boy. Yeah. Did, you, did you ever, like, play it before then? Were you, like, have any arcade memories or anything like that? Vaguely, but I think I don't think my timeline matches up in my head because when I think about what I played at the arcades, I'm remembering like Silent Scope and Time Crisis. Mate, and stuff Silent like that. Scope is apps. I'm I making know. a face audience here that is just like I'm, I'm I'm sucking on Jesus juice. It is very good, very good, mate. So it's like I remember it's, playing them, but I don't. They wouldn't have predated. They couldn't have predated Alex Kidd and stuff because we we hadn't gone 3D yet. So I'm like, I, 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 I just know. got just got to say by the way, I think that Silent Scope might be cancelled in today's uh, thing now because I'm pretty sure. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, audience, mm-hmm. that if to get more health, you use your sniper scope to peep on women and like they get their own bikinis <laughs> and stuff like that. And when they do, they look up at you and they go, oh. ah, and they try to cover themselves. And I think you get a one up for doing that. So right. implying that your rush of blood to your boner is keeping <clears throat> you motivated to shoot terrorists. Fantastic. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, what internal dialogue is that stage? telling kids? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, speaking of stuff that's aged badly, um, I'm going through Persona 4 with my wife at the minute. And we yeah. got to all the kanji stuff. Oh, I yeah. thought, because I was remembering like 2008's version of it. And at the time, it was like, well, at least you're addressing the idea of someone being gay in some mm-hmm. context. Mm-hmm. Go you. But at the same time, now it's aged horribly. And I thought they yeah. committed way more to it than they actually do. Like, kanji just pushes it all away. And yeah. it's like, oh, no, I, yeah. I like chicks. It's fine. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, man, this could have been so much better. And this could have been this bastion for representation. Like, it's, th- but it's really it's, not. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because the Persona games are known for their writing. And it's so Mm. weird when you get a horrible, well, not a horrible piece, a clunky piece of writing like that. Mm -hmm. Because it's just like, if a few tweaks and cuts were made here and there, that could be a really powerful emotive journey and a Mm -hmm. character arc that would have resonated with a whole new generation of people who were struggling with their sexual Mm -hmm. identity. But what it did was it just kind of like, nah, 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 just don't think about it. Just don't (laughs) think about it and get on with the mission at hand. Yeah, they do a, there's a horrible (laughs) scene when you do the camping stuff where Yosuke is like, oh, are we going to be safe in this tent? with you and I'm like oh it's my like, god I don't remember like, this being dude, here. dude dude yeah. calm down <laughs> it's like why are we doing this um, oh, but yeah um, uh, in going back to my earliest gaming memory mm. um, I think that the moment that I knew that gaming was special like I, I told people before that I had those tiger handheld game the electronic stuff I don't think that they really count as being your first gaming experience that told you what gaming was about but mm. I was over at this kid called Sam's house and mm. he had got um, a Snayers and he had got super ghouls and ghosts or ghosts and goblins oh I can't God. remember which one it was for that uh-huh. um, and he was just showing me this game and I remember it being so insanely difficult but mm-hmm. it was the first time that I'd held a console controller actively looked at it 
and gotten past like a particularly difficult section in okay. my mind at least like mm-hmm. i got to the first boss that was a huge deal for me and it was just like wow this like how much time has gone past like like five hours <laughs> has gone past we just sat here playing this one thing over yeah, and over yeah. and I, I went home and i thought about it i asked mm. if i could go back to his house the next day i was like constantly talking to him about this game and i was like mm. okay i'm obsessed this is it this is the, the gaming spike has hit me hard and it's weird because I... I hate to use the comparison but that was our the generation there that was their dark souls mate it was trial and error, oh, mem- error memorization like everything dark souls is was distilled in 2d form way back way for super ghouls and ghosts or ghosts and goblins if you want to go to the Nayers instead. Yeah. Well, do you remember? Did you play? Uh, was it Maximo on the PS2 where they tried to make it like a 3D I version? I loved that game. Right, and you could like lose that, his that armor the Golden Army. I think was it Golden Army. The se- the sequel. There was it was yeah, it got Army, two games out, and I thought it was utterly brilliant. A 3D uh, Ghosts and Goblins because it was made by the same people. Capcom mm-hmm. were in charge of it as well, and it was mm-hmm. just like this game is great. This game is so much fun. Yeah, that, that's your that's your Dark Souls thing of like a th- trying to get through like a really challenging 3D environment or something. Mm-hmm. I have a weird thing though where I think back on like the role that games played on, on y- in young me's life, um, because something like like you said over when you manage to achieve something, you beat a level, you beat your boss or whatever, you do get that like personal satisfaction. It's like okay, I actually yep. did something. I had some agency in this and I did it. And I wonder. I think about this quite often where like young me was getting bullied a lot like I got bullied a lot in first school middle school it just it was a lot and so Mm. like I wonder if I gravitated towards games and the escapism they offer and the role they give you because I wanted some power I wanted some agency I wanted something where I wasn't Mm. feeling small and so I didn't obviously not aware of that at the time but I always wonder like if anyone else went through those like if anyone else got you know bullied over the years or whatever and they they really took to games because it's like oh my god now I can go on this grand adventure with Solid Snake and I have all these powers Mm. and I can do all these Mm. cool things Mm. and Mm. I always just think of that and I'm just like you know when people talk about like oh this album got me through high school or this this mm-hmm. book mm-hmm. maybe got me through something I think that's my thing for gaming I've just never really thought about it too much but I do think about that in the recent years where I'm just like I think I got lost in this because the real world was re- being really harsh and I think I needed that I think I needed that escape and so I always that's, wonder that- if it's really it sad like that, that you had to go through that, but at the same time, mm. I'm really happy that you've come out as the person that you are because it's Thank like you. you've made that not only... Like, uh, a lot of people would say that um, if you use the gaming in that sense it could have developed into like a crutch in the sense that you would only associate mm. the positive mm. vibes and the dopamine rush from mm. those escapist moments but the fact that you've turned that into your livelihood something that mm. be- you become known for something that you've done that and you have such a successful life outside of it as well it's just like <laughs> hey look to all your bullies there you were wrong you couldn't yeah. have been more wrong screw you yeah i think exactly. that, like, it, yeah like it, like you said it, yeah like, it's it's worked out very nicely things are okay i do think that when i was a kid um i would just play like non-stop like i think that's one of those things where you just you do just get lost in the video games you mm-hmm. almost need a parent to be like do you realize you've been on this for a week yeah. solid like yeah, but yeah, at the yeah. same time but yeah I, just, I think about that stuff and i wonder if other people have um similar experiences in, in that regard and um, we did had um did have playstation accesses a uh, spooky ash millman herself oh, playstation legend. PlayStation VR 2 is good. Not question, Ash Millman, so we can't spend too much too much long on that. But, uh, <laughs> have you played it yet? Have you actually had a hands-on with it yet? No, I've not. It's out next week, though. I feel like Sony have just done zero marketing. Are we but, under yeah. MDA? You can just nod or we're shake your head. We're on nothing right now. We've okay, not Because um, I was about to say, because I know that Josh wants to play it, and I'm not sure if he's got his hands well, so he's, on it yet. He's buying one, and then I know that okay. we, have, we are in touch with Sony to try and get a bunch of games and do some VR coverage and stuff got like yet. that, but we don't have the headset itself. Um, so, but I know the reviews went out um, yesterday on, on Thursday uh, mm-hmm. as we're recording this. So, um, so the reviews are out there. Call of the Mountain looks cool. 
I keep looking at it going like, I do want it, I do want it, but it's like a, it's like 500 pounds. 500 so. quid, man. So that means that just for your gaming setup alone, for your PS5 and for that, you spent a grand, it's effectively. A, it would be a grand, yeah. And uh, admittedly, in the, in the day and age that we live in, that's still only going to afford you half of a decent <laughs> graphics card for, for the PC. But still, it does make you question whether or not mm-hmm. we should all be moving towards something that is at least updatable and uh, something that we... Yeah. <laughs> oh, something else. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. On the console space, that you could just buy like a new chip for it. Or something yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't give them ideas. They'll they'll do one of them every year for three hundred pounds or whatever it is. Well, that's what we're all expect. We were expecting from the Switch Pro, but that's obviously been mm. absolutely canned now. But they are going to be putting out a new Switch console or version successor this mm-hmm. year. People they'll are be saying the, that. I, in theory, it's next year for the next Switch thing. But then there's also the PS5 Pro or whatever. So it's like that'll be oh, a thing. Don't do so. that. The PS5 <laughs> Pro does not need to exist because the PS4 Pro did absolutely nothing. 
nothing for me. No. It was just a case of like, cool, you have managed to create a, a stopgap in your own market. She's like, a nice. Frame, nice right? oh, yeah, it's just like trying gosh. to do the bare minimum. Um, next actual question from Schmanz Schmilliamson who says first Legend. time with Dead Space uh, with uh, first time with the Dead Space remake and it's great but I hate having no quick turn like in Resident Evil it's driving me up the oh, wall <laughs> do they not have that I haven't played it no, yet no in the original you can't even like dodge like it's not until Dead Space 3 where you can Ooh. actually like double tap a button and get out the way of stuff um, Schmilliamson says what gripe do you legends have about this great game or another that is great but if you play long enough you'll have a complaint um, I left this question in near the beginning because I need to talk about Metroid Prime okay um, go for I it love Metroid Prime but I finished Metroid Prime Remastered the other day that game's save system is absolute dog and I can't believe <laughs> that they remastered everything apart from the manual saves like I I lost about it? an hour all you can do is save in manual spots and there's like and if you lose oh, you go right. back before the boss battle before the cutscenes before the unlocks before oh, everything can you skip the so, cutscenes at least I think you can skip the cutscenes, but they're not okay. very long. But like, you still lose all that exploration time, and maybe you went on a whole deviation and found some power ups and everything. You That's lose rough. all of it. So I was like, can you not put a checkpoint, a save point before a boss, especially when it's a boss yeah. that surprises you, that jumps out a wall and fights you or something? There's one bit in that game where you have to go through a place called the Phase on Mines, and it takes mm-hmm. forever, and it's all on one big checkpoint. And with a boss battle and with various enemies that you've not fought before. So that took me a lot of tries. And the first time I got right to the end and died, I lost like an hour. And I was just like, oh, oh my that's... God. Oh, I hate losing <laughs> that. That's like that classic example of the Dark Souls run. You run all the way through the yeah. gauntlet. You get to the boss. You die immediately. And you think to yourself, oh, it took me 40 minutes to get to this point mm-hmm. to die in 15 seconds. Why am I doing this to myself? And I'm just like, I that to me, that is not difficulty. That's just like mm. raw how much and how much time do you have kind of thing. Like, I don't mind fighting the boss over and over again, but you've got to put me there. Like, getting there shouldn't be the challenge. If I've proven I can get there in the first place, I just, yeah. for me, I just push back against that. It's very rare that I have any, like, I mean, even then, I can't do anything about it. I'm going to have to just, I mean, Metroid Prime, I just have to keep going until I got through it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I do hate that. I hate bad checkpointing, and I hate, like, when you lose everything, like, cutscenes, everything. It's like, oh, my God. Just, I'm just See, replaying this again. See, I'm just thinking about that. I'm actually going through Resident Evil 2 Remake at the moment mm. on Live and Let's Dice, and I've been mm. doing a hardcore run, so obviously you have to do the manual saving there. And my right. God, going back from like the comfort and safety of an autosave system to a manual save one is so <laughs> jarring, man, because it's like if you save in the wrong place, if you save at the wrong time, you are utterly boned. On the yeah. first attempt that I did it, we ended up in... We'd managed to like get all the medallions from the, first, uh, uh, from the police department, but mm. we were stuck in the dark room down on the first floor with one bullet with no healing items <laughs> and on caution already and i was just like uh lads i think i may have to restart this because this is not going to go well because outside the door there's two zombies and mr x had obviously mm-hmm. been summoned there so i was like yeah yeah i can i can understand how manual saving can screw you over well, and especially when i died and had to go all the way back again to do well, it i, I found again. the other day me and josh were talking about the evil within because there's a rumor that the evil within three is like coming out interesting there's a, there's a teaser for it inside hi-fi rush and i was like sweet i love evil within one and two i never finished two but i knew that my save was quite far in so i picked up my save from 2017 and i'm in chapter 15 of 17 but i'm right at the end boss i have no health i have no healing healing Aww. items and i have about four bullets so i was just like do i keep trying this i think this is why old me put this down but like i just just slam that thing your head against like, the wall maybe you'll break through like well, that's that's the thing. it's like I, I can't even i'd have to restart the whole game at this point and i'm just like i you know at some point i just want to be able to get through it because i don't know about you but when you have auto saves, do you? I do one every five minutes. It's like, okay, a combat encounter is yeah, done. Save. I don't trust it. I don't 
trust no. it because it's so funny isn't it it's like when you have it you don't trust it and when you don't have it you <laughs> complain that there's not one there <laughs> like, it's we, like if we pause, are a fickle bunch yeah it's like if i pause and my latest save is an auto save i don't trust that either i need to make yeah. a manual save even though you've just told me that you've saved um so that would be mine I, i'd go with metroid prime I think that if I was to go for a gripe in a great game that mm. does lessen it somewhat, I would say that unfortunately, going back to Resident Evil 2 Remake, I adore that game. I think mm-hmm. that it is so immaculately, uh, it represents the best of what Resident Evil is as a franchise. Mm-hmm. However, the pathing for Mr. X okay. definitely could use some work because he's scary the first time that you fight him. But once you realize that he can't go through some doors or just patiently waits outside or you can just completely rope a dope him and just run around yeah. him in circles, he loses that fear aspect straight away. Now, Nemesis did a much better job because Nemesis had ranged attacks. It could close the gap mm. between you. It could charge at you. It could throw things at you. It was doing stuff all the time to make sure that you weren't just going, ha, 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 ha. You're a giant yeah, monster in a bin you. bag. You suck sort of thing. <laughs> but in this case, you're just kind of like, he's walking towards you. Oh, I'm so strong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock you into next week, mate. And they just kind of like, well, I'm just going to go around this pillar three times. And he's like, oh, where you bloody God? Where you gone, mate? I don't it's know where you Metal Gear AI. Who's footprints are these? Like, I've, I've oh, I love that. I love those. <laughs> so yeah, I'd say that that's the one gripe there is having um, enemies lose fear through not bad AI, but through... Mm. Easily diver- gameable AI. Yeah, exactly. Like easily manipulate. Uh, you can manipulate the AI too mm-hmm. much in that. I mean, the Xenomorph, for example, is the perfect example of another one that does it right because of the fact mm-hmm. that you think that you can always get ahead of it, but as soon as you start running, it hears you. If you're hiding in the same vent over and over, it's gonna find you. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I was I gonna like. say. I, they that's have that... fear incarnate right there. Yeah, they have that thing in isolation where um, the game will just kill you every now and then, more, yeah. more so at the beginning or something. But they need yeah. you to realize that it can find you at all times. Um, um, same with the PT stuff with like Lisa, I think it's, she's called Lisa, just like attacking you at random from behind, like stuff like yeah. that, like can reinforce it um, without it, like being broken overall. Well, my friend, shall we move over to Jack Plummer's question from Instagram, who says, uh, should Tomb Raider solely gameplay, gameplay wise go back to its roots rather than being an Uncharted clone? Now, we yes. have an interesting one here because of the fact that it's a weird case of Tomb Raider inspired Uncharted. Uncharted took off and aped what Tomb Raider Mm. did. Mm -hmm. And then Tomb Raider started copying Uncharted. So we have a copy that ended up being copied, (laughs) effectively. I think for me, like, I, yeah, I would absolutely, because there's a whole thing going on with Tomb Raider at the minute where there's the Netflix animated show or mm-hmm. movie or whatever's coming out. There's a um, Vampire Survivors style Tomb Raider game, which I just, I saw Weird. that as a, I just had to play it. I was like, because you just play as Lara and you can just automatically shoot at enemies and stuff. And it's very like a Vampire Survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the upcoming like rebooted games and whatever too. So like, yeah, gameplay wise, I would rather they massively double down on giant 3D environments that you just need to yeah. conquer. Um, because I feel like, you know, in um, Rise of the Tomb Raider and Shadow, you I think maybe in the 2013 one, you have those pickaxes and it's like jump and make sure yes. you're holding the pickaxe yeah. button, yeah. different types of um, environments to climb up and stuff. I feel like you could really gamify the climbing itself and mm-hmm. maybe you have stamina and whatever. Then maybe you have like community-based tombs and like the idea that like Lara's just setting off on a different mission from her HQ and like you could have a whole little system of just people who love climbing challenges and just base it around that. Do you know what I adored in the first remake game was those mm. little air quotes tombs, which were yeah. just puzzle 
the bits. If they mm-hmm. just made huge versions of them, I scale back the enemy shooting as well. Totally. I don't need to see Lara Croft just shooting a bunch of dudes over mm-hmm. and over because I understand why they did it. Because let's face it, the gaming public at large, they loves an action game <laughs> and they loves getting into shooting and combat and customization. It makes your game seem deeper than it actually is. Mm-hmm. But arguably, you end up with a much richer gaming experience if you ex- explore the concept of isolation. Have mm-hmm. Lara arrive alone explore these unknown tombs alone have it Mm -hmm. only be nature and wildlife that she has to fight against like battling to hold her grip on slippy surfaces or a pack of wolves appearing out of nowhere but keep Mm -hmm. it as that until you really ramp up the crazy extraterrestrial or supernatural stuff because that's what obviously these games have at their core Mm -hmm. the original games were so successful because it was a joy to go at your own pace, to try out puzzles, to try and climb different areas, to explore, and then suddenly the shock value of being met with like a gorilla, a, t- a T-Rex, <laughs> like like like. It, I mean, obviously that was a crazy one meeting the T-Rex for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it started getting more and more sort of. Um, I don't know. It, it just felt like a generic action game by the time that we wrap things up. So mm-hmm. I really hope that the reboot learns from the originals rather than just trying to go right. Well, people bought more mm. of the rebooted franchise, so let's just go for that. Well, they seem to like they kind of they seem to experiment in trilogies. Like I quite like that trilogy that started with the uh, it was like Tomb Raider Legacy and then the anniversary oh, yeah. remake, yeah. and then Underworld. Like Underworld and Legacy are both great. Like I would say they're great Tomb Raider games. They're really good, like puzzle based. They're very exploration heavy. They have bits of combat. Yeah, they're like yeah. I mean the combat's not great, but I like that you can do slow motion. Fl- I'll always take slow motion twin pistol flips. I don't really care where you put sure, it, sure, sure, sure. but I'll always take that. I like that you can do the slide kick and whatever. So like for me, I thought they had quite a nice balance of the two. Even though I would agree with you that like I would still take away most of the combat. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it needs to be in there necessarily. I think you could make a, a purely exploration, but like almost like Breath of the Wild's climbing stuff oh, um, in yeah. a Tomb Raider game. Yes, you know, yes. like you're you've finding sold you've sold me on that. Yeah, you're finding like handholds and footholds and places to rest halfway up a mountain or something. Maybe if she falls off, you can just have it where like you have a certain amount of lives, but she just sort of she blinks and she's just like, well, I guess I'm not going that way. And yeah, it's just, like, like she's like thinking sort of how she might do it. Thing. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. like Jedi Fallen Order had that where like the whole idea was that uh, Cal Kestis was projecting himself through the level, and then when if you actually got to the end of the level, that was his successful run, and the like, canon wise, yeah. that's what he actually did. So yeah. yeah, there's so much they could do with Tomb Raider. There's such an untapped approach to 3D environments. Like, I mean, yeah. what games prioritize them, really? Like, in terms of verticality as well. And if you are going to have the marriage of action and puzzle, then mm. do you remember that top-down isometric game? Like, something of a Cyrus? Oh, Guardian you of had Light? The- that was it, Guardian of Light, yeah. yeah. That was a brilliant game. Like, the mm. co-op on that was phenomenally good. Mm-hmm. I would actually argue that I would do away with a third-person action game in the likes mm. of the big-budget mega star stuff that we've um, seen with the previous two reboots mm-hmm. and go back to something like that. Like, tell a smaller game that is just better crafted. That I yeah. would much rather have that. I just, I love, like, the physics-based puzzles in Breath of the Wild or mm-hmm. in Immortals mm-hmm. Phoenix Rising, and I feel like that's what Tomb Raider should be doing. Like, you should be thinking about how physics, like, is this wood going to splinter if I hit it hard enough with this swinging oh, thing yeah. and can I yeah. break through over here? Like, yeah, there's loads they could do with that. Um, not a question, but a statement from Monster Maker who says 2018's God of War trumps Ragnarok. What do you think of this, Jules? Um, you know what? Um, I still haven't played Ragnarok, so I can't mm. make up. An, I can't give an opinion on a game that I haven't actively played, but I have mm. watched the entire thing, like all the cutscenes. I've watched people play it on Twitch, and I feel like I know enough about it to have an oh, opinion. Yeah. And mm. I think that it it looks phenomenal. However, mm. nothing will beat the emergent experience of that 2018 feel. Like when That's that game, am, when yeah. that get game hits, you were just kind of like. 
wow i my <laughs> jaw hit the floor so many times during this game because i thought how are they doing this how mm. are they still keeping me this engaged over this long a runtime how mm. are they managing to keep this all in one continuous shot how are they imagining uh, able to bring these boss battles back in that feel fresh and exciting and mm. put in some light puzzle elements as well and i'm like mm. yeah but when ragnarok came around it's like You've polished all the bits that uh, were a bit rough around the edges there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's still Mm -hmm. really exciting, but it's just a case of like, yeah, but where's the... I I don't want to sound like a... a, What's what's the word? I I don't want to sound entitled as a gamer when it comes to this. But it's the case of what is new? Where's the more? Well, that was the thing. I Yeah, I'm kind of just formulating this as we go because I feel like overall I have a gut feeling that Sony do quite boring sequels. And Mm -hmm. I feel like they've done God of War Ragnarok and Horizon Forbidden West were both quite, well, to me, really boring sequels compared to how sort of landmark both their originals felt. And I feel like, you know, they're brilliant at nailing something first time. Ghost of Tsushima, God of War, Horizon. They're just really good at putting that first step forward. But when it comes to a sequel, they hedge their bets and they do sequels of iteration. They do really like, just here's some more. Here's like glorified DLC. And I don't need the sequel to overhaul everything. But at the same time, in these cases with God of War and Horizon, it was just more of the same. And it was like, yeah. it just fundamentally largely felt the same. Like you had a few extra things. But yeah, for me, like, I yeah, I prefer 2018's more just for what it meant for that character. It's not that I don't love what they do in, in Ragnarok. Uh, me and Josh did like an hour and a half podcast breaking down all the stuff in Rugs. But at the same time, um, yeah, I kind of prefer 2018's overall. I find Ragnarok to be quite forgettable. I think when we think of stuff from last year, we just yeah. think of Elden Ring. For the yeah, most yeah, part. yeah, 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 yeah. So, it's kind um, of dominated the gaming space really, didn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, yes. So now for our final question slash ranking, should Ooh. we go over to a specific image that was sent to us on Twitter? We should. We did. Yeah, this has been doing the rounds a little bit on uh, on Twitter, on social media. I don't mm. know where it started. Um, there's a Twitter account called No Context Brits. I think they or No Context UK. They yep. shared it. Um, but obviously, a lot of uh, I was going to say English cuisine, <laughs> but um, the way it's viewed around the world, you know, your um, your, your Lancashire beef hot pots, your um, your, your pork pies, and everything I mean, else. There's there's a, a chart doing the rounds as to it how is. it should be ranked. <laughs> It is very funny because there's a lot of beige going on in this list here. It's like like Britain loves eating brown, basically. But the, the a, question is, what are the best classic British foods savoury edition? And then it's been split into one, two, three, four, five tiers, mm-hmm. right? And, well... God, top, mid, low, and crap. I'm not going to go through all of them. No, but no, I, but some of, the, some of them are, I don't agree with. Some of them I don't no. agree with. So should we do like our top three changes that we'd make to this list? Yes, I, I okay. can largely agree with the God tier. Um, I wouldn't put crumpets in God tier. I would have crumpets what? in... Crumpets are they're amazing, fine. man. They don't last long enough. I don't know, they're all right, but I sort of... They Buy a bigger crumpet. <laughs> well, they, well, they started doing them, they started doing bigger crumpets. That was fine, <laughs> like nobody's business. But um, I'm still going to go through them. Um, I feel like um, crumpets for me would be top or mid. I would change that. Um, Scotch egg needs to be god tier. There's no way that's in low tier. That's, See, that's Kerry said effect. that as well. Kerry said yeah. that it has to be god tier, but I don't know, man. Maybe I've just had really duff Scotch eggs in my life, but I've always just found them to be like dry. And it's like, oh, what's the surprise? An egg? Oh, the egg is also dry and crumbly. It is a little bit. I, I, I don't know. You can, I, I just feel like a Scotch egg gets you through the day. Like I, when I was doing my dissertations back in university, I was on mm. a strict diet of Scotch eggs and Relentless. That was all I had was energy drinks. And did Scotch you eat eggs. it because it was similar to your name? Oh, no, but that's very good. Scott's eggs. <laughs> I would massively go for Scotch eggs at any time. I think for a third one, I'd probably just put pork pies higher as well. Um, okay, I feel like it. pies in general no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, sorry, I can't let that stand. No, the pork whoa, pie whoa. stays in low tier, stays in low tier. Pork what are you pie talking is... about? No, because it's the same experience every single time. The... <laughs> 
the outer crust is way too hard and the pork there's too much of a bite you're just like oh cool i've literally opened a tin of spam and i thought Ooh, about, you've been getting know. bad pork pies mate this, this, I, I, this, this, this but this is the this is the thing i think that our upbringings have mm. been different in the sense that obviously you were brought up in the north i was brought mm. up in the south so mm. obviously you do get better pies in general when you're up north. Oh, maybe. They are literally the birthplace of the pies. But I was <laughs> fuming to see that the Cornish pasty, my heritage, mm. mm-hmm. had been put into mid-tier. That is god-tier. It is full of everything that you need. It's got mm-hmm. your meats, it's got your potatoes, it's got your veg. It is delicious, it's seasoned. It comes mm. with its own handle, so you can pretend you're using a Nokia N-gauge <laughs> to talk to people. But the best part about it is it's a clever piece of baking because obviously True. you know the story behind it that the um idea was that the uh, down in the mines you'd get yes. all of the coal dust on your hands and that was obviously very very toxic and poison poisonous so you would um have your cornish pasty made so it had the thick outer handle you'd hold that to eat the pasty and throw the crust away so oh. that you didn't poison yourself with the um the dust and the nitrates on it. The, uh, the this is like some good Cornish pie myth mythery yeah, because yeah. I heard that it was they were knitted together on the top because they would be dropped down the mines and that was a way to make sure they stayed get together. out of town. Get out! Of, have you ever dropped a pasty bit and seen it if, uh, in one piece after? No, sir. Well, Great. No, but I've dropped a Cornish pasty. Maybe that one would be all right. Blaze along the floor, mate. Not at all. <laughs> not in the slightest. Anyway, why would you be dropping pasties down down there? Just put, it in a, there. just put it in a handkerchief or something. Tie a little army man parachute to it and chuck it down. Well, I'm assuming they did, but I mean, they still need to make sure it's not going splat on the floor I mean nah, I don't think they're just bu- like lobbing them I, down a hill I've solved that problem for them a bucket a bucket <laughs> on a string there you go put it in the bucket put it down when you there, go back in time you warp through the Stargate and you say look you just put that in the bucket mate just, oh, mate, if, it all wrong. if I'm using the Stargate to go back to the Cornish <laughs> mines to tell people how to eat their lunch I'm using that time travel wrong <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> they need to be told um, um, Plowman's lunch being put as mid-tier is so wrong, by the way. It needs to be yes. down into crap tier. It is the worst thing. Like, oh. Oh, like everything's cold. Like, oh, can I have, oh, can I, can I have a sneeze of salad, please? No, get off. <laughs> get off. I think um, a toad in the hole I would have higher as well. Although toad yeah, in the hole always felt like some weird little stunt food. Toad in the hole, for any uh, global listeners, is a set of sausages <laughs> inside a giant Yorkshire pudding, inside a it's sort great. of giant it's great, eggy basket thing. Um, there's a lot of stuff here that is just I didn't even some of these stuff I didn't really think of as like I mean bubble and squeak I thought that was a Scottish thing but I could be wrong yeah well bubble and squeak as well I was a bit confused by because isn't that just leftovers you don't actively set out to make um, yeah you just kind of combine I, there's a lot of stuff here that's just like you can tell that we went through a couple of wars <laughs> yeah like, exactly we, we made we do with what we had and then call yeah. it something else there is um, one more thing that I want to shout out. Oh, so two, two. Welsh rabbit, that's just cheese on toast. So that should be God tier. I'm just okay, saying okay, like that, okay. that should be way up there because how are you going to argue that cheese and or toast together is not going to be a great combination? So what that's God tier. What, what's rabbit? Is that a cheese? Um, do you know what, mate? I'm just, I, I live in Wales right now and I should know this. I could ask Kerry. If you, if you vamp for about 10 seconds, okay. I will ask her what the, you know what? I'm just going to Google it because <laughs> I don't bloody know that. Um, let's see. Because Welsh... like when I was growing up, I was always like, I just thought it was rabbit. And then it was like, no, no, no. Yeah, me too, actually. I did, I did, I did yeah. as well. Um, versus because I'll also say first. that um, I think I think eventually we'll be able to unite at the end of this saying that black pudding is in the craft tier. I've never oh. got, I've never got black pudding. Here we go. Right, okay. So cheese on toast is w- yep. one thing, but Welsh rarebit is a grilled cheese-based sauce made from cheese, and then that is applied to the toast. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. In, why in that why case, do you call it rarebit and put all of us off? Oh, it's, it's, it's God tier. It's God tier, whatever it is. It's, it's the that. most yeah, delicious yeah. thing. And the mm-hmm. final one that I want to shout out is an undeserved crap tier 
kippers putting the crap to you. <laughs> Mate, well, back when I used to eat fish, they were delicious. I'd have that. Um, did you ever have, have you ever had kimchi? Oh my god, um, yeah, I can't stand it. My wife loves kimchi. No, no, kedgeree. Kedgeree is what I'm talking about. Oh no, no, no. I've had kimchi. Now, now, kedgeree is one of the weirdest things that's ever happened in British culture because I'm pretty (laughs) sure that it happened when we were stationed out in India and it's um when not me and you you should say no no, yeah we should yeah we do not agree with colonization in that sense but I'm just saying that back in the day back in tut day I should say Uh um the British officers would ask for breakfast from the local Indian populace Mm -hmm. now obviously they are known for heavily spiced foods and Mm -hmm. like just well-spiced aromatic stuff so Mm -hmm. when there was a confusion that went on which is basically it's kipper curry in the morning for your breakfast okay. it sounds utterly mad but it I is delicious it is delicious mate that sounds like that sounds like uh, something worth trying i feel like the like, kippers i've never had the only kipper in my life was oh, biff man. chip and kipper in first school which i will biff, only biff five chip. people will get that, but... is, that, is, that is that bino <laughs> No, no, that Biff, Chip and Kipper were three characters that like taught you how to spell or whatever back Amazing. when you were in, in first school. So I remember Biff, Chip and Kipper, but I never I never had um, Biff, yeah, Biff, Chip and Kipper. I think that was their name. Now I'm losing my mind trying to think of it. I feel but, like um, Biff, yeah. Biff, Chip and Kipper is basically like a stoner's takeaway take order. <laughs> like it's... <laughs> it's just, yeah, when you're the local, you just order that. Can I get some Chip and, chip and Kippers, but also just sling a Biff on the side as well? <laughs> Cheeky Biff. Um, there we the go, there we go. So that is our re-ranking of the classic British foods savoury edition. If there is mm. a sweet one or the other rankings that you would like us to take a look at, then send them <laughs> over to us next week because we'll be checking for more. Uh, we'll do the call for questions. Yes, please do. Final question uh, for this week is by Tana Kutz, who says, Ooh, Hello, okay. I love the pod. Your passion and insight for gaming has got me to expand my gaming library beyond just replaying Fallout New Vegas every year. <laughs> what question, sorry, which my question is, do you have a favourite gaming trilogy? This can also include the first three games of a series. Thanks, gents. This is a tough one. This is a really tough one because my heart of hearts wants to say that it's Bioshock because I love the first Mm. game more than life itself and I am one (laughs) of the people that will defend the second game. Uh, That is the hill that I will die on. Um, but infinite i just i just don't get get on with it like mm, i mm, mm. i love some aspects of it but i really get pulled down by the fact that it is a game that just sniffs its own farts and says <laughs> isn't this a fine bouquet of intelligence like <laughs> i get it like i'm not i'm not so stupid that i don't understand the very obvious messaging that you're saying and all of those like what does the ending mean it's like come on lads just sit and look <laughs> at it just look at it what do you think it is what do you think about um levine saying his next game's not coming until next year that'll be 12 years in between games i'm i'm actually a bit worried about it if i'm honest because yeah. it's the judas, judas project isn't it yeah judas um i keep thinking it's chris jericho is going to pop up and like just <laughs> yeah just do that but i am really excited by it in the sense that it's got gonna have great art direction it's gonna tell this beautiful story of another utopia gone rogue mm. however ken kenny boy ken mr levine kenneth. that's just that's, yeah, kenneth big big k special mm. k he kind of went overboard when he was like right let's appeal to the action market didn't he because i know that he had that conversation with microsoft way back way when they were just like look i know you want to make another um system shock uh like spiritual successor to that but Mm -hmm. you are going to have to add in action otherwise your game will not sell Mm -hmm. and bioshock had enough action 
It was a bit ropey, but it had enough action. Bioshock mm. 2 doubled down and made it better to the point where it was very appealing. Mm. Bioshock 3 was like, oh, it's all about action and very little else. And now I'm really yeah. worried that we're just going to get another generic shooter that's going to feel like, oh, it's it's Call of Duty, but set inside Five Nights at Freddy's. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I don't know how many, like, obvious tropes or obvious genre stuff you'll have to have in there to try and make up the money because it's like it's such a ludicrous amount of I mean it'll, it'll be the longest game in development by the time yeah. it finally comes out yeah. Um. so yeah I wonder how much he leans into that stuff too I was just curious because you're a way bigger Bioshock fan than me and I'm curious mm. what that dude does next but I've been curious for almost a third of my life at this point yeah. so it's kind of at, ridiculous at, at that point you're just like wearily uh, wearily just going like, oh come <laughs> on mate just just put me out of my misery like I feel like the Bioshock 4 is going to end up coming out from a different a team altogether yeah, before he gets nuts. this thing out that's nuts um, in terms of my favorite trilogy, <clears throat> I would say uh, Metal Gear Solid, obviously, but a lot of people know about that anyway. Um, that's a very solid trilogy. I think for me, I'm going to spotlight Darksiders because I absolutely love nice. Darksiders. I know it's not finished. I know that there's Genesis in there that says another prequel. We've still got Darksiders 4 to come, mm-hmm. which if we ever get that. But I just feel like as a series of games, like they're just the art direction is phenomenal. I love the characters. I love the story. I love the world. If you love Legacy of Kane, um, especially Fury and Darksiders 3, the way that she talks to everyone is just pure Kane, mm-hmm. um, especially at the beginning of that game. Just utter disdain for humanity. It's brilliant. Um, so I massively recommend that and I just love the way those games play um, and so like one is almost like a Zelda game two is like a loot thing and then three is just like a regular hack and slash but there's just so much to love about those games especially now because they've all been remastered and touched up yeah. and everything um, yep, yep, so yep. I'll go with that um, but for now this has been the Entitled Banter Podcast the UBP the UBP the UBP, the UBP. The UBP. Ivan's got Taylor that's been Jules Gill I have been indeed and remember that you can go check out our social medias every Thursday for me it's going to be over on Instagram at RetroJ but the O is a Z and for Scott, it's going to be at slash LP89 over on Twitter, where we'll be putting out the call for questions next Thursday. So stay tuned, you lovely, lovely people. <laughs> beautiful. Thanks once again for all the questions and everything you guys sent in, and we'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.